This podcast extra is part of your Slate Plus membership. We will do a very brief Q&A. Um, if you guys have questions, come to Faith in the Front. I think we probably have time for just two or three, but we'd be delighted to field them. Hi. Um, what circumstances mandate handwritten notes nowadays, and when was the last time that each of you wrote one? Excellent question. <laughs> I, uh, I usually give handwritten notes with gifts, especially if it's like a thank you gift to somebody I don't know very well. I don't know. The first thing that came to mind is that we had a Thanksgiving dinner, a, a friend, kind of a friend Thanksgiving a few years ago. And one of my friends, who's actually younger than me, who's more of a, the millennial generation, wrote a, a, a handwritten thank you card and sent it in the mail. And it was so incredibly delightful and raised my opinion of her instantly by 10 notches. And still to this day, that was years ago, I'll think, I can't believe she went to the trouble to write that handmade thank you note. And so, I mean, I think you can get a lot of you can get a lot of points with your friends if you can actually fire one of them off. I try to make my daughter write them after she gets a big gift. Does she? She she does if it's a grandparent or somebody that she knows that, you know. Yeah, yeah she will. I definitely was raised to believe and firmly believe that sending notes is often the right thing to do after, like, you know, going to a nice, not necessarily if you go to a party or something in someone's house, but like a gift or after you receive a gift or if or a condolence note, that those are like the two occasions. But I would say that my firm belief that it's the right thing to do is strongly outweighed by my extremely erratic execution rate. And so I have like, if, if you know me, I will sometimes send you a note in one of those situations and sometimes not. And I've actually decided recently with condolence notes that you should actually just send condolence emails because it's much better to just be present really quickly with a remembrance and a kind word and like not do the thing where you're like, I'm going to wait two weeks and do it on the nice paper and send it in the mail. Like the, it's just, it's, I think actually feeling that support faster is better. So I'm reconsidering my position. Hi. Um, I have a quick question since every movie seems to be remade these days from birth of a nation to ghostbusters. I was wondering, especially for you, Karina, but uh, Julianne, Dana, what movie, if you could pick any, would you love to see remade through the modern lens? Someone in the audience said sneakers. Thank you. I don't know. That's tough because if you really love a movie, don't you not want it to be remade? I mean, it it it, it would be hard to think of a movie that both I feel such excitement about that I would want to revisit it and that I wouldn't be afraid it would be spoiled by the remake. So, But then again, think about the fact that the 1954 Star is Born is a remake, right? So if you had been in love with the Janet Gaynor Star is Born, maybe you would have shaken your fist at the sky that that movie was coming out. Oh, gosh, I wish I could think of a good response yeah. to a movie that I want to have remade. It's tough because you've, it doesn't feel like the mental energy that we should contribute to Hollywood's content minds is like ideas for remakes. <laughs> it doesn't feel like that's the thing that they're shortest on right now. I mean, I just like thinking about it for a minute, I mean, it, this is not like something that Hollywood would do, but... Um, it's, you know, I, I'm a big fan of like political documentaries, like The War Room, for instance. Like, it would be great if movies like that were just updated every 10 to 20 years so that like you could get a version of it for, you know, the current political situation. They really should just do one of those. I mean, I, I guess you couldn't get access these days, but they should do one of those every cycle. I agree. That would be great. Um, yeah, no, I feel about sneakers like don't touch that perfect cinematic masterpiece, as I'm sure my fellow panelists do as well. 
Hi. I was wondering if you all could compare the historical reputation of Birth of a Nation with a, another film that you did mention whose racial politics strike me as equally vile, perhaps, but somehow has escaped the opprobrium that is attached to Birth of a Nation, and that's Gone with the Wind. I don't think Gone with the Wind is equally vile, um, but certainly there are things that are very problematic um, in Gone with the Wind. Um, yeah, I mean, Gone with the Wind is another movie where I feel like there needs to be a conversation going into it. Um, if you wa- You shouldn't watch it passively. I thought of Gone with the Wind a lot when re-watching Birth of a Nation for this, because in terms of their shape, their narrative shape, they're almost the same movie. You know, they, there's a part before the war, there's a pre-war section, and uh, and then there's the post-war section, and there's sort of the idea of the of reconstruction and carpetbagging and the fallen world after the war and how it's put back together. Um, the main difference, in fact, is, as Julia was saying, that the focus of the second half of Birth of a Nation is almost entirely on, you know, proving that it was a huge mistake to free the slaves in the first place, whereas Gone with the Wind treats the slaves, I mean, in perhaps an equally vile, but a less frontal way as sort of window dressing. I mean, as sort of nostalgic um, uh, props for the for the white people. So it's it's two very different ways of um, performing aesthetic violence on the same the same subject matter. I mean, in, in a sense, maybe Gone with the Wind is more insidious because people are more apt to just watch it as a romance and not think about it critically. It's um, true. You don't you don't feel like, oh, I should watch this like with a film professor and a history book by my side. You might actually just say like, you know, I never saw Gone with the Wind. Let's pop that in. And it's it's sentimentalizing enough and kind of idealizing enough of certain slave figures like the Mammy figure that Hattie McDaniel won an Oscar for it. Um, you know, but then she wasn't allowed to sit at the table with the white people at the Oscar ceremony. So, I mean, the whole thing is just... They, they are really equally vile, but because they occurred at different moments in Hollywood history and different moments in cultural history, they, they, they land in different ways now. All right. I think that's what we've got time for tonight. Thank you guys so much for coming out to Santa Monica. Thank you so much, Karina, for joining us. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>